Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike, and we have a interview with Theo uh, with Theo Fox that is going to come up right after this update. We wanted to talk about uh, <laughs> Rocky Wirtz's uh, comments yesterday and uh, give a quick rundown of the game yesterday, which should be really quick, and then we're going to get right into the Theo Fox interview. So. Um, I'm actually still at a loss for words from what what Rocky had to say yesterday during the town hall meeting for the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, essentially being incredibly unprofessional to two two writers and uh, in an environment and and a forum where it's supposed to be somewhat of an open communication, meaning that these questions are are meant to be asked. And it wasn't as if that they were asking for questions. Uh, pertaining towards past events in 2010, they were more referencing towards how are the Blackhawks going to move forward. Rocky Wirtz wasn't ha- having it. He said it was none of their business on how they on how they do things. And um, and to Danny Wirtz's credit, he tried to jump in and and, and take over and and talk about really what the Blackhawks are doing. He mentioned afterwards that he was willing to talk about the things that the Blackhawks have changed and the things that they're doing to make meaningful change. But Rocky essentially cut him off, uh, which was a real boomer move that he did yesterday, essentially trying to be king of the hill and uh, and putting his franchise into essentially dire straits because uh, it just looks inc- incredibly, incredibly bad. Matt, what did you take from um, from um, Rocky's comments yesterday? Hey, yeah, that was well said. I I think that Danny was, you know, I think Danny was prepared for this question. Yeah, and Rocky kind of is, you know, hey, I don't want anything to do with Hawks operations, but he was real quick to jump all over. Uh, was that Lazarus? I, I believe. Yeah, it Lazarus was. It was something. Lazarus, yeah. and um, I forgot yeah, the other guy's name. And I. Putting myself in Rocky's shoes, or yeah, I guess I'm putting myself in Rocky's shoes here. I, I'm maybe he thinks he was being attacked with this question, and you know what, he didn't want anything to do with it. But unfortunately, if you talk about this and get it out in the open, it shows that you care. So yeah. what he did yesterday pretty much said, "Oh, we're moving on. We're going to forget about it." Well, really, you can't forget about it. You have to. You got to learn from it. And it seems like maybe he hasn't. You know, th- here's here's the thing that that I kind of have a problem with it. Rocky has been such a standoff owner, you know, essentially, you know, having John McDonough run the entire hockey operation. So if something happens, the grenade goes off in McDonough's lap, saves Rocky, and he replaces that person with, you know, whoever he seems fit. Essentially, what happened was they split McDonough's job into three jobs, the CEO, um, the business operations with Jamie Faulkner, and at the time, hockey operations with Stan Bowman. So in, in, in him actually taking questions of even being on site yesterday, I wanted to know what the hell he was doing there. He, he, he doesn't do anything with, with the day-to-day. He's kept it that way so that he can insulate himself. You can be the judge out there, whether if that's right or wrong, because essentially if you're 
the, you know, running a big business like that. Maybe that is how you want to run things, but you don't take any responsibility for things that happen uh, underneath you, which is essentially what he's trying to do. He's trying to escape the responsibility and, um, and he avoided the grenade, but uh, he threw in his, uh, his own grenade in his lap yesterday. He should have just sat there, shut the fuck up and let Danny uh, t- take those questions. Danny's it's his job. He's the CEO of the Blackhawks. That's what he's supposed to be doing. All that Rocky did yesterday was sit there, posture, try to be king of the hill, and he looked like a complete fucking idiot doing it. If I was Danny, I would have been pissed. I would be like, hey, man, hey, old man, what the fuck are we doing here? You know, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? You're, you're, you're essentially sinking the ship. What you're doing here is we're on the freaking, we're on the boat and you're throwing a bomb, you know, in the hull and taking the whole ship down with them. If you looked and saw Eddie Olchek, if you looked and saw Danny, if you looked and saw Jamie, they looked incredibly uncomfortable while Rocky was talking. You know, they had no idea what was going on. You know, and it was kind of funny. Somebody out there on Twitter mentioned that this was kind of like a like a scene out of Succession with uh, Logan Roy, you know, with a UTI, you know. And, uh, and it, you know, kind of gave me a, 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 you know, a short laugh. But, but holy shit, man. You know, could you imagine the war room after that? Like, hey, uh, old man, yeah. uh, I get it. This is your operation, but... You're essentially trying to take it down with you. How do the you know how do the Blackhawks move forward? Because people are going to be like, "Hey, look, we don't have any confidence in this owner anymore. Um, it's kind of time for you to step back in a way." Yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. It's it, it, I like you said, if he would have let Danny answer that question, he's like I said, he seemed well prepared, and he probably had a really good answer for it. Like he probably was going to say, "Hey, listen, we got new policies. If this." God forbid were to happen again, we know what to do. We're going to take the right steps in order to make sure it never, you know, gets like how it did with Kyle Beach. And instead, Rocky just uh, like it. I hate to say it. It's kind of like he showed shades of his old man, you know, like he was on the defense all the time. And I mean, I don't really like any media sports writers of that cover the Blackhawks at all. I, I like Theo Fox. So I. These guys, I know they're they're kind of out for themselves and they're they're doing stuff like that. But I don't think it was that really hard of a question, was yeah, it? Was it, it wasn't like, at all. That's why it, I was so surprised. You know, it, like it wasn't it wasn't a pointed. It wasn't like a hey Rocky. So um, what the fuck? What's going on here? You know, your 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 franchise yeah. is in flames right now. What what what's going on? You know, it wasn't like that at all. Well, it, like, and it wasn't like, hey, how much did Kyle Beach receive in a settlement? That, right. That, and, a, and that's the case. I'd say, hey, that's none of your damn business. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with you. But well, those are probably sealed yeah. documents as well. There's an NDA clause. Uh, yeah. that, that are involved, and we can't discuss those kind of those kind of uh, details. Exactly. You know, it's just and, like that. But they didn't say anything that. like that. They were just asking, no. like, hey, what, what have you guys done to, to make well, changes? And you know what? That's that's a fair question, considering it, that they haven't made a statement since uh, since the report came out. Yeah, and I don't know if you caught the TNT game. Uh, in between the intermissions, uh, Rick Tockett, Gretzky, and uh, Anson Carter, even Liam McHugh was throwing some good points out there, the host. Yeah. And uh, Gretzky said, hey, listen, man. What if my 18-year-old kid got drafted by your team? I want to know that he's safe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's it's a great point by the greatest hockey player to ever live. And, I mean, after last night, 
that's a great question. And how, how can Rocky answer that? He can't. <laughs> yeah, he can. And to be honest with you, man, what a shitty time for this to happen because we're in the middle of a GM search and, um, and what what kind of reputable GM is going to want to come to an organization where Rocky is just going, you know, going on a tirade, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 terrible. You know, they're they're supposed to be looking for a head coach. And what what reputable head coach is going to going to want to come and, and have to deal with an owner like that? The ones that we already have, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Derek King's probably like, thank you. That just gave me some job security, you know? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's very bad timing. Uh, you're on the the game of the night on, you know, cable TV. You know, a lot of people are going to view into this. And you know what? They didn't get anything out of the game. <laughs> they got everything right. out of the town hall meeting. Yeah, It's just a tale of two different owners. You got like an owner like, say, Bill Foley with Vegas. This guy's spending money to win a cup. He he's, you know, he's he's got a good reputation with players. Obviously, the flurry thing was kind of a big deal, but I mean, that's how Rocky was at first. He was like beloved. I mean, I I for one was I was so happy when he came here, and just you know after after last night, it's like geez, it's like it's like a totally different person. Yeah, that's probably what's what happens with success, man. You know, and, yeah. uh, you know, he was probably they were backing in truckloads of money and uh, those trucks are aren't aren't really pulling up anymore it's because get of, worse because yeah. of everything that's happened, you know, and it's really uh, unfortunate. You know, the bomb went off during the town hall. And then to be honest with you, the game that followed for the Hawks was was uh, probably right in line with what happened because it was a dumpster fire. It's almost as if the dumpster fire from. From the town hall, went to the game. Hawks got shut out for the first time this year, five to nothing uh, against the Wild. The first period wasn't that bad. Then the second period happened, and then it all fell apart after that. Um, Mark Andre Fleury got pulled. He went on a tirade in the in the lock, you know, on the way to the locker room, and uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty after that. There isn't really much to talk about uh, the game because. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing good happened. <laughs> nothing nothing good. good happened. Yep. Uh, there's no really any takeaways. It was somewhat of a list, listless performance. And, you know, maybe these guys saw the town hall and it took the wind out of their sails. You know, they he, did. Yeah, they did for sure. And they you know, talked the, about it. You know, how do you go and play after that? You know, it, it's like, holy yeah. shit. It's like the like the, the ground underneath you is moving or giving way. So we have a... Um, I, I would I would actually feel like a responsibility to 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 tell our listeners that you know what this is probably one of the hardest times I've ever had of, of being a Blackhawks fan. I love the team. I love the boys. Uh, the management is a different story. I hold them to a different degree of um, of professionalism and and a different degree of responsibility. And I care about how the team is ran. I think in professional sports. Over the last 10 years, it has really come to light how people are interested on how teams are ran and who are running these teams. Before then, you know, people just cared about the players, players cared about the game, and that was it. Now, we want to know who's running the team, who, uh, what they're about, and um, 
what they're doing behind the scenes, and it's not looking good for Rocky. Uh, I, I think he needs to step aside, let Danny run the show, and uh, I, I would like to see another town hall where Rocky or where uh, Danny can give and have an opportunity to answer questions from the media, and um, and 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 show them that you know the the franchise is making changes, and this franchise is not Rocky. This franchise is not John McDonough. It's not Stan Bowman. You know, we are something different now and we're going to right our wrongs and move forward. Not in a we're forgetting about Kyle Beach type of a way in a we are taking responsibility for what we did. We're going to right those wrongs and we're going to move forward. That needs to be stated in a, you know, in a press conference. And it needs to be done, obviously, without Rocky words there. So, um, Matt, do you have anything more to say on that? Well, I saw a good couple tweets out there, and I agree with this one. It says, I do not hate the Hawks, could never hate and despise them, but disappointed, yes, very. And another note, players are not management. So the players should not suffer because of the stupidity going on. It's been going on for about two years now, and... You know, and you know those guys go out, they give it their all. They're not that great, but you know they're still out there. They're trying hard. Mark Andre Fleury is a future Hall of Famer. Enjoy it while he's still here. It's amazing. Alex DeBrincat is one of the best young goal scorers out there. Got a great future ahead of him. Enjoy it. So you know, hopefully we can find people with hockey minds, hockey-minded brains like Stevie Eiserman, you know Joe Sackick, some somebody like that. A former Hawks legend would be you know my pick. Hopefully they could turn it around. Yeah, I agree 100%. So now we are going to move on to the Theo Fox interview. It was a good one. We had a great time doing it. And uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening once again. And um, here we go. So how are you doing, Theo? Excellent. Do us a favor, man, and give the uh, give our listeners a, 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 a quick, you know, a cheat sheet on, on who you are. He's been on the show before. He's awesome. And you guys are in for a treat. Sure. Yeah, I write for HockeyBuzz.com. Um, covers all uh, NHL teams, so I cover the Chicago Blackhawks. Have been doing it for um, well, about a year and a half. Um, so definitely enjoy it. Um, just great to talk about Chicago Blackhawks and other teams and players and the league. So uh, a lot going on this year too with the World Junior Championship, which got canceled, and then the Winter Olympics, which didn't necessarily get canceled, but NHL players aren't going, so lots of topics to talk about, even if um, it's beyond the NHL. Yeah, it's funny, you know, they they uh, they canceled the women's tournament, just flat out canceled it, and then they drug their feet on canceling the uh, the men's, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. So, so anyways, let's talk some Blackhawks prospects, because... We're at a point in this season where you know we, we've we've passed the halfway point, and the Blackhawks are still on the other side. I would say of that, you know, uh, pushing for a playoff spot. I mean, they, they are they are giving the effort to push, but them not being able to get two points out of games from these top teams like like Colorado, you know, losing in overtime. Yeah, I, I mean, getting one helps, but winning in in regulation, getting a full two points is what they've they've been needing. They've needed to go on a really long run and they haven't really been able to. I believe the their longest winning streak this year is four games. And um 
you know, we need to know what's going on, you know, in the prospect pool. A lot of people have been uh, pulling for for Reichel, Lucas Reichel. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I thought that he looked great when he when he came up for an, uh, an unfinished under, you know, unfinished developed prospect. But I'd like to know how Ian Mitchell and Nicholas uh, Bowden are doing down in, uh, in Rockford. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ian Mitchell, uh, and I would say even Jacob Galvas, um, they both really separated themselves from the pack uh, in terms of defense prospects. Um, and obviously both of them have had, uh, well, Mitchell has been up more than, um, Galvas has. Um, but you know, they've both shown very well in terms of their growth. Uh, Mitchell's had the most growth cause he, he had a lot to work on stemming from his, uh, rookie year last year. Uh, and Galvas, he had a, an impressive training camp, uh, and preseason and, you know, many, including myself, uh, were actually, um, I was, thinking he'd be a dark horse and make the team out of camp. But um, I think it was the right decision to send him down to Rockford um, for, uh, you know, get some development time in, uh, in terms of playing on the larger ice surface. Um, but I mean, he's been playing pro for five years in his home in Czech Republic and then Finland the past two years. Um, but yeah, I think um, Mitchell and Galvas, I think that they've that they definitely stand out as the top two defense prospects that are in Rockford. and. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the starting lineup for the Blackhawks um, next fall or next, yeah, next fall um, for the 22-23 season. Do you um, think Bowden needs another season down in Rockford in, uh, in the AHL Rockford? I think he does. He, I don't say he's regressed. He just hasn't grown a lot. He's when you watch him play, um, he's slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he his escapability one isn't very good um and he's very passive the way he defends if you're not in his grill um he's really just doing just the passive stick checking you know always a stick links away from someone unless they're up against him in a board battle or um they're jockeying in the crease but i mean he'll battle in the crease like he's him and kalanuk have definitely shown a mean streak this season that they didn't show um in prior years um and so that's good to see they both need to rein it in though um because kalanuk has gotten some misconducts i think he got two in like three games um, <laughs> um i think in december um and then uh bodan he you know he he'll he'll fight he'll uh when push comes to shove um he, his temper will flare but i think it's it's good that they they show that pushback but you definitely need to keep it in check uh, so you're not um, spending time in the box and, and uh, shooting your team um, in the foot. You know, Wyatt Kalanick was actually the next person that I wanted to bring up, you know, and talk about a guy with some bad luck. You know, we predicted him to make the team. He was going to make the team with Caleb Jones, and then they both get hurt yeah. in camp. And it seemed like, you know, when he came back, it was kind of, you know, they, they obviously signed um, Gustafsson, which I have no idea why they did that. And I think that he took his spot, which was, I think was a big mistake because he, I think he needed the time to, you know, to kind of have his, his NHL time, but he, he's been down at Rockford. He hasn't been back up. What's the scouting report on him? How's he doing? On Kalanick? Yeah. Um, similar to Bodan, um, it's a little disappointing. Uh, I don't think he's um, as disappointing because um, I think he has fits and starts where you're like, wow, he's really turning the corner. What he showed last year, that promise of just being one of the best skaters in the system. 
um, just that escapability. He moves the puck well. He's a very good power play quarterback. But um, once he got back from injury, you didn't see it. And I, you could chalk it up to he just needs his you know skating legs back. You know, I think everyone needs that coming um, off a injury. Um, but after a while, it's just like you can't really lean on that as an excuse, so to speak. And so um, it was disappointing to see him um, regress from last year because going into the uh, into the preseason, I thought he was the top defensive candidate, at least in Rockford. Uh, if you're talking system wide, I think um, there's some other ones to, to consider. But in terms of who is readily available in the AHL and could be called up, he was top of the list. And then, like you said, disappointing that he, he got injured, Caleb Jones got injured. Um, and I think it derailed him a little bit. Um, so, and that's why I think, uh, say Mitchell and Galvas are the top two prospects um, in Rockford and wouldn't be surprised if they're in the starting lineup for the Blackhawks next season, especially with DeHaan likely gone, you know, uh, Caleb Jones hasn't locked down his spot and he's a free agent anyway. So I, I don't know if the Hawks would sign him. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought that it was kind of one of these deals where, hey, we sign Caleb, we get Caleb Jones, he gets an opportunity, you know, like, hey, look, we'll go to Seth Jones. We got your brother. Why don't you come down here? You know, we can have a, you know, a, a family matters over here, you know, yeah. and it's turned into he's not that bad of a player. I, I think that he's he's pretty good. I wasn't expecting him to to play as well as he did. You know, yesterday watching the Hawks versus, um, uh, who'd they play yesterday, Matt? Detroit. You know, he had a really great play where he, um, you know, Bertuzzi was, we were in our own zone. He stole the puck from Bertuzzi and got a nice outlet pass and it led to a goal. And and I think that he's surprised a lot of people. Do you think that that, uh, that Caleb Jones might get re-signed by the Hawks? He definitely has promise. Um, I think him and his brother, they both have the best escapability out of their own end, out of the current set of Blackhawks. Um, Gustafson, to, to a certain extent, does. Um, but I really like Caleb Jones' skating. Um, I mean, he's just his edges are so good. Uh, he's very sharp in his turns. He'll use um, lateral C-cuts to, to move up ice and, um, and evade um, a checker. Uh, which you don't see. I mean, especially NHL players, you would think a lot of them would employ a lot of those power skating moves, but uh, and some of them do. Obviously, McDavid is <laughs> like the king of power skating. Um, but when you see someone like Caleb Jones employ it, um, and I think for him, it's just really more about consistency. He's definitely got this the the toolkit to be a two way defenseman because he can play physical too. Uh, he's a big guy. I mean, he's probably a little lanky. I mean, he does. He's not like some behemoth like Tyler Myers um, or Chara, but I think, you know, he can throw a hit or a check just as much as uh, a Connor Murphy would. It's just Connor Murphy just does it a little bit more consistently. Um, and I think Caleb Jones, just with his skating and his physicality, if he can put it together and be more consistent, and I think he would be fine as a third line, or not third liner, a third pair defenseman, like a five, six, seven spot. Um, but that's always the knock on all youngsters is just the consistency uh, for most of them. And that's what you don't see from Reichel. He's always consistent. Um, And Galvas, he's pretty consistent too. You bring up uh, McDavid and, you know, it's funny because if you go on YouTube, the uh, McDavid skating videos are practically endless. And uh, I I would have to say that Nathan McKinnon comes into a close second there. Kale McCarr does too. Yeah, he does. Fascinating skater. He is, man. He's an he's an incredible skater. 
you know, mm-hmm. he, he's just incredibly agile. And what's really interesting is all of these guys are able to maneuver at top speed, you know, like, yeah. like they're, they won't just go straight, you know, they'll just go around guys. But um, I, I want to talk about Lucas Reichel for a second. You know, I, I don't think that he's he's NHL ready, but I think that he's um, I think that he he has a, a good hockey sense. And it seems like he sees the game uh, pretty well. Maybe the game's a little fast for him at the NHL level. But uh, I think that 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 he can get there. What, what do you think about about Lucas Reichel? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, I definitely wasn't upset that he got his cup of coffee. It was a little early, mm-hmm. um, what I was predicting. But, you know, they sent him down after two games. And, you know, there was rumors later that I think Derek King was even saying, oh, he's going to be called up again soon. And uh, I read, I think it was last week, saying that the Hawks wouldn't mind. I think it was in The Athletic uh, by Scott Powers or, or Mark Lazarus saying that they wouldn't, the Hawks management wouldn't mind burning a year off of his um, ELC. Uh, and part of that is more of once his ELC um, entry level contract expires, and he like he just knocks it out of the park. He's going to command a lot of coin, and so right. like, let's just burn a year, <laughs> and yeah. so that when he hits you know in two years rather than three years, um, he won't ask as much. Which you know, you under I understand that, and uh, it, it's difficult because you got all these other prospects. But you at least know Doc's not going to be getting a lot of money on his next contract. I mean, he's got a lot to work on. Um, And then you got players like Kubelik and Strom. If the Hawks do decide to retain them, they're not going to command a lot of money. The only person who's going to command a lot of money is Debrinket when his next contract is up. I believe Pay we mentioned man. that in our last podcast. Me and Matt were making predictions, you know, because next, I think it's, uh, was it next summer or this summer? Actually, it's this summer when the 2022-2023 season starts. You know, they can uh, extend to Brinkett. We're predicting a 9 to $10 million extension yeah. to him. Uh, we're also kind of talking about what's going to go on with Taves and Kane. Are they going to get, you know, are they going to want to extend with the Hawks? Are they going to get, you know, t- are, are they going to be willing to do team-friendly deals? You know, and, um, you know, we were talking about maybe, you know, Taves getting a 5 to $6 million deal to, and Kane are around the $8 million mark. But looking at the mo- more recent... Uh, Jeff Carter signing for I think it was 3.25 million for two years you know that's really interesting Great to see deal. if maybe these guys will take even less money uh, you know that that being considered and Doc you know like you said that he's not going to be asking for too much money you know I could also be on the other side of the aisle and say hey Jack Hughes he scored 60 points in like three seasons he's getting 8.5 million you know what is Doc going to ask for yeah um, I mean, he can ask a lot. I don't just, the Hawks have a lot of leverage to say you didn't necessarily earn it. <laughs> right. um, you know, you can always play hardball with your own players. Um, I mean, Hughes is an interesting um, comparison because there was a lot of, contra- there's a lot of um, criticism around the Devils just gave him way too much. I mean, he barely has played two seasons and he got th- that um, massive extension. And, you know, I think he'll still be a, a great player. He'll probably be one of the top 10 players in the league once he hits his stride. But to earn that much in a new deal right away, it's a little questionable. But, you know, I think other people said the same thing about Blackhawks contracts, too, uh, uh, years ago. Seth, and so, yeah. Yeah, Seth Jones, too. Yep. Um, yeah. Even Dougie we're Hamilton. We're I mean, still hearing not, it. Yeah. Yeah. 
he hasn't played much. I mean, I wouldn't say he hasn't played much, but he's had you know some injuries this year. Uh, Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious, man. You know, if, if they're going to bring him up, you know, why, why not just do it now? If they're going to burn that year, I mean, I, yeah, sure, it makes sense. Um, but how much money can he can he can he make? Because. Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, he he was really trying to 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 get some scoring opportunities when he was playing. I wonder if he can be a consistent scorer. And who would he play with? You know, who do they pair him with? Would they play pair him with Debrinket? You know, to to be a to be a number one C. I don't think that mm-hmm. he's quite ready for that yet. Um, yeah. And he also needs to work on his uh, his work at the at the faceoff dot. Realistically, do you think that maybe by next season he can be a consistent faceoff winner? I think he can. I mean, I mean, look at Strom. I mean, well, he talked about how juggling helped him, and I know people laugh about that, but you know, <laughs> if that helps your eye-hand coordination, why not? Right. Um, I'm sure there's other techniques you could do. Um, and at one point he was top 20 and I don't think he, he stayed in top 20 very long, but he, he's getting up there around 56, 57%. That's really good compared yeah. to mid low forties, I, I believe was maybe his average. Uh, and so it's definitely doable. Um, and so, uh, especially when you look at doc, I mean, he's brutal. Know, yeah, yeah. Like a third yeah. of his draws he wins. Yeah. Um, and there's some, some games where it's like really bad. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's always talk about should he just shift to wing? Um, and some say permanently, like for his entire NHL career, just start the shift now to be a winger. Um, but some say, well, why don't he just start at wing? Kind of like what a lot of prospects do. Uh, they may have played, you know, center in juniors and in college or uh, overseas. and But in the NHL, they need to get their experience with less pressure. And that usually is off, often on the wing and then graduate them over back to center, um, you know, in a, uh, two or three seasons later. Um, so that could be an option for not only Reichel, but also for Doc. Um, Go ahead, Matt. So. I, I think Doc should spend a year in the A. I, mean, I, I The Hawks, I think they rushed him and they pretty much almost ruined him. I think uh, some time in the A would get him some confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of it is confidence. I think... Um, you know, some of it is just, you know, the jump from, you know, uh, juniors to the NHL uh, as an 18, 19-year-old. Uh, well, it was like three years ago now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, give him a list of things to work on in the AHL, even if it's not a full, you know, between now and next season, the start of next season. But enough just to boost his confidence because I think some of it's just mental. I think he's in his own head sometimes, uh, grasping that stick a little too tightly. I thought he played well yesterday, though. He uh, he had a nice back check, and he uh, ended up picking a guy's pocket, going the other way, creating a good scoring chance. And I think, yeah. uh, even when, jumping back to Dylan Strom, I think this coaching change has really benefited him. He's he's yeah. he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, him and Jeremy Colleton, they were like oil and water. I mean, you could even just tell in pictures and. You know, just some of the, um, you know, social media you would see, like, and even just for sure, if you yeah. want to parse his words, like in interviews, I don't think he really got along with Colleton. I'm sure he got some mileage out, out of that relationship, but he's definitely thrived under um, Derek King, um, just being able to play his game, playing on instinct, because um, he's smart. He's a good player. Like, you give him the opportunity to play make, um, he's slow, but he's smart enough 
and he's getting enough NHL experience and hopefully he gains some more whether that's with the Blackhawks or another team yeah where I think he'll be I think he will emerge as a top six center um it's just he needs um one you need to have complimentary line mates especially if you're not the best of skater but I think he's learning to use his intelligence and his hockey sense and his playmaking um to compete he's not going to win a lot of foot um uh you know foot races to pucks but if he's there you know he can um it's kind of like um uh, nick schmaltz the, the player he was traded for nick schmaltz was just so good at just takeaways like he would sneak up on a player and i mean he wouldn't engage in a board battle he's very risk averse in that way but schmaltz would pick a pocket and it like sometimes very subtly um and you would look at the stat sheets and he'd have like i don't say a ton but he'd have quite a bit of takeaways um, yeah, he he had a good season with Kaner before they traded him. Yeah. Nick Schmaltz, yeah. Schmaltz had good speed, and I I would probably say one of the best attributes that he had was that he he knew how to utilize his speed. Yeah. So head coaching, do you think Derek King is going to get the job, or do you have any other uh, coaches that come to mind? Um, I know a lot of people don't want him to be the head coach. I actually wouldn't mind if Mark Crawford was a coach. Um, really? Or if they switched roles, so to speak, in terms of maybe Derek is associate and uh, Mark Crawford is is the head coach. The conspiracy theory that I've heard just, you know, reading just other message boards is that the person pulling the strings in terms of the X's and O's and strategy has been Mark Crawford. It's just that because of his past um, with abusive players that... Um, the Hawks They're afraid to give him the role. Yeah. Yeah. To formally yeah. give him that role. And so Derek King is, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit more acceptable and palatable. Uh, and so, um, and that maybe in a sense, he's the second command. I don't think it really matters in the end. But in terms of Derek King, I could see him getting the permanent gig. But I think also the Blackhawks would also, I don't know if Anders Sorensen is necessarily the best fit as a head coach for the Ice Hogs. I think Derek King, kind of like Jeremy Colleton before he became the Blackhawks head coach, Colleton was actually really good as the coach in Rockford because he was developing the youth down there. But then they graduated him prematurely and definitely yeah. you saw what happened. Uh, and I just hope that the Hawks don't do that again with uh, with King. That And King, he's always modest. He's I mean, he'll shoot from the hip. He tells you... He doesn't sugarcoat things. He's, you know, he cracks a lot of jokes, but, you know, there's a lot of kernel of truth to what he says. Um, so, I, th- you know, I think King would be a candidate. Crawford would be a candidate. And then uh, I just, for me, I just don't want an NHL retread. Uh, I don't, also don't want a Colleton either. Like someone just out of the blue. Um, and so I don't know what that sweet spot is um, in terms of candidates who aren't like these, you know, dinosaurs who've just coached and haven't really won a whole lot, even though they have a lot of track record um, versus someone who may be very successful. I think, I think an ideal candidate would be someone who's had success as an AHL coach, maybe won some championships or gone deep in the playoffs or has been an assistant coach at the NHL level for a really long time and really has done well. Like a shot. Mike, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Porchetti or Mike Havelin. I mean, they're former assistants in Chicago, but I always liked them. I thought they would be great head coaches, but um, they yeah, departed. I like Torch. I remember, yeah. uh, didn't he have a little run with the Wild? And he, he got him into the playoffs? That They were a pretty good team that year. And I think 
the Hawks actually knocked him out in the playoffs that first round. I'm not I trying th- to blank with the year, but I think he uh, turned that team around. Yesterday, I think they named him the like associate coach and uh, in Phil- Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. that that dumpster fire! Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he can turn it around. You know, you never know. Yeah. Really quickly, Theo, I was wondering, what about Soderblom, the goalie? How is how is you know? Because I saw him play a game and he didn't look too bad, man. What, what's what's his deal? Yeah, I think for him, um, he's obviously getting his feet wet playing in North America. Um, but you know, I think what I like about him and uh, him and Drew Camesso have a very you know they have their differences, but I think the similarities that they do have is that. You know they're very efficient in their movement. They let pucks come to them, um, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure Soderblom's a little bit bigger than Camesso, but Soderblom uses his size to advantage. He fills up the net, um, and so because of that efficiency and movement, um, he's not going to flounder a lot. Um, I think uh, Camesso is really good at soaking in rebounds, um, and he won't panic, um, and Soderblom won't panic either. But Soderblom could control his rebounds a little bit more. But I think that can come with experience working with. Um, you know, uh, Aubrey, who's a goaltending coach down in Rockford, and uh, obviously Jimmy Waite um, up on the big club. Um, so I think there's potential for him. Um, you know, I think some going into, because um, he's, I believe he's the only Blackhawk goalie in the system who's eligible, um, who's signed um, after the season, because everyone else's their contracts expire. Uh, Delia and uh, Lankinen and, and Flurry, of course, and so. I think obviously Lankinen's going to get resigned, but what you know, what what do they do with Delia? Do they just let him go? You know, is he just going to be an AHL, you know, goalie? I personally would let him go. Um, to be honest, I, um, you know, I think everyone was happy for Subban to get a fresh start um, over the Sabres, and I think he just had a season in um, yeah. any injury, yeah. you know, which yeah. is very unfortunate. But I think Dilly is the same way. I don't think he has an opportunity here in Chicago. Um, I don't know. He's just – he runs hot and cold. Like, uh, the best way to describe him is when he's on, he's on. He'll pitch a shutout, um, you know, maybe make 40 saves and let in zero or one goal. And the next game, he's letting in, like, three goals in the first ten shots. Yeah. And then, um, he doesn't, um, just that, um, that panic mode, uh, whereas Camesso and Soderblom and even Lankin, they shake off, like they let in a goal, they shake it off. Delia, not, not so much. Um, and it was weird. He used to be that way. He used to have, um, be a lot more sturdy when he first broke in with Chicago. Uh, but ever since then, and I don't know if it's because there's been such, uh, you know, a, a log jam of goalies and it's just that, you know there's so much competition and obviously it's loosened up with Subban gone. Um, and you know, but when they introduced Soderblom was like, you know, maybe that's in his head. It's like, Oh, you're signing this, uh, Swedish goalie. Um, what about Malcolm and, uh, and me? Uh, and obviously this was preseason, uh, Malcolm's gone, but, um, yeah, I, I personally would move on from him. Um, I just don't think, uh, I think what Soderblom can offer, uh, is better than what Delia can. And then there's Kale Morris, who was on an AHL deal, and then in order for him to be eligible to join the taxi squad, they signed him to uh, a pro contract for um, with um, with the Blackhawks. So, But that expires, um, and his AHL deal was only a season. So he's also a free free agent uh, this, um, this summer too. But he's a possibility to bring back. 
Yeah, I think they had him on the active roster pretty recently. Yeah, but uh, I know because Lankinen's, you know, Lankinen's in, injured right now. You know, he had one heck of a game the last game that he played, yeah. which is really unfortunate. Are there any other forwards in the, you know, that that we can talk about that could possibly, you know, move up? Is there is there anybody that, you know, kind of flying under the radar? Um, he hasn't flown under the radar because he's been up and down. Um, is uh, Josiah Slavin? Um, he's very, uh, he's like Mackenzie Entwistle, just just coaches love those type of players where um, they're just fundamentally sound. They make smart, simple plays um, and they just do the little things that help teams win. So um, whether that's on the PK, um, defensive efforts, especially late in the game to hold a lead um, or to um, the game is tied and just to preserve it as a tie so your team can take the lead. Um, but I, I think he is someone who could be on the fourth line um, uh, next season, uh, along with Entwistle. Um, and then I think Barrett, uh, might be a dark horse for next season. Um, he's an underrated passer, uh, but I think what he's going to be known for is just kind of being, a um, jack of all trades. He can slide up and down the lineup and complement skill players, but he can also be a role player, uh, um, and get the work done that way. Just doing a lot of board work, uh, crashing the net. He's a big agitator. He runs his mouth a lot. Um, and then Andre Altibomarki, uh, and I think um, he could also be a dark horse too. Uh, he's less refined um, than Brandon Hagel, but I like in their compete level at the same, um, being very similar. He's just knows over puck mentality. Um, he uh, will just pursue the puck uh, and will just go through walls just to get the puck, uh, to win it back or to hold on to it. Uh, he, makes, he makes space for his line mates. Um, it's just that, yeah, I think uh, Hagel has just a higher um, um, skill level in terms of offense, uh, whereas Alti Bomarkin doesn't. But um, similar to Barrett, Andre Alti Bomarkin is just has a lot of sandpaper to his game. Um, he can really uh, take off the other team. That's one heck of a name. What? How do you say that, Alti Bomarkin? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to see him come up. Just, I just want to see that jersey. You know. Yeah. <laughs> he could knock it out of the park if he wears like number sixty nine or something like that. He'll Turn be a fan favorite. Down. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. So, uh, do you think that Kyle Davison will be the permanent GM, or do you think the the Hawks are gonna kind of pull a fast one and uh, bring a new guy in before the deadline? Yeah. Um, depends on which day you ask me. I think most days <laughs> I'm like I'm pretty sure, kind of like King. I. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to dumb it down so much to say it's just the path of least resistance for management, but they're known quantities, um, and so um, I can see both King and Davison just getting the interim tags removed. Um, and I think it came out today that the Blackhawks are going to make a decision on the GM. They said before March twenty first yesterday, but I heard some news today that was within two to three weeks. So it's going to come soon, um, way before the trade deadline. Um, I think that's part of good. That, yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially because in the same breath yesterday, they said, we're going to make a decision by the trade deadline, and we're also going to let Davidson make roster decisions to prep for that trade deadline. And, you know, a lot of fans are like, well, that's kind of a head scratcher. Like, what if he doesn't get the job? He gets to mold a team for a GM to to inherit. That's just a little awkward. Uh, And so why don't you just make a decision sooner? Um, And I think another conspiracy theory, too, is 
the Hawks looking at other teams around the league making all these management changes, and here they are not doing anything. And so some of this could have been forced because of like they're getting a lot of pressure um, from whoever, fans, other stakeholders, um, uh, to the team. Uh, where it's just like, why are you guys sitting on your hands when all these other teams um, are making these decisions. So part of it is this kind of a PR move, but part of it too is, hey, these other teams are interviewing people, and if you want the best candidates, these other teams could snag them. And so... Um, you got to get them, yeah. Yeah. You got yeah. you, you to be in the game to, <laughs> to be able to win it. Right. Yeah, I thought the same thing, you know, and it, it's like, okay, well, so the trade deadline's coming up, you know, we got Marc-Andre Fleury, we have, you know, the whirlwind of rumors around him, and we have an interim GM, you know, like, what's his deal? Can he make moves? You know, what can he do? You know? And I think that it's really disconcerting that, you know, up, up to this point, you know, there's really been nothing really from the organization on, you know, just having some some kind of stability in these in these roles because I think the players need it. I think they need to know, like, hey, this is my head coach. Like, this is it. This isn't like, hey, Derek King's here one day and he's not here the next day, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think that they need to shore that up. Maybe if they shore that up, you know, that, that could help, uh, you know, change things around for the, for the team so that the, uh, you know, GM can make maybe make a couple moves to help what do you think is a is a glaring change that needs to happen for the blackhawks well i think one is um and th this is kind of a top-down thing which sets the tone for everything else is the identity of the team in terms of the direction um you know the blackhawks are just notorious for for not choosing a lane and sticking with it so you build a team for x and then not even a year later you're like no we're gonna do y instead it's like well then I mean this 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 season is a good example where uh, or at least starting with the preseason a lot of people including myself were primed to think about we're going to do a rebuild and then they sign you know Jones, Seth Jones and yeah. trade for McCabe and they get Flurry Tyler Johnson uh, Juju Kara and um, I was like no I, I I don't see that as a rebuild anymore and then when they are winless in ten games or whatever to start the season like well that didn't work uh and then now um you know under king they're doing they're pretty much a 500 team under king uh so it has its plus and minuses for being that way um but i think yeah choosing a direction for the team are you rebuilding are you retooling and i think that uh i think um a follow-up question to that is and i think they may have already asked is what are you what are you going to do with Kane and Taves and I think you brought it up and you do need to ask the question hey your contract is going to be expiring at some, um, within the next year do you want to stay with the team retire as lifelong Blackhawks or are you open to waiving your no um, no movement clause um, and it sounds like because I think it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago where um, an article came out where they bit, pretty much said that the three untouchables for the Blackhawks are Seth Jones Kane and Taves and uh, and so you could uh, at least for Kane and Taves you can interpret that in a number of ways one is they asked them and they both said no we're not waving okay then that forces your hand to be like well we can't do anything about it so we're going to build around you or you're, you're just part of what we're building which it is what it is if that's if that's what happened um, or they have never asked them before and they're like we don't need to ask them because we do want to rebuild around you or we no, I, 
not necessarily rebuild because they may not be wanting to use that term, but we want you as part of the team, however we're going to structure it. Uh, and so, I mean, there could be some other decisions or ways you can look at it, but those are two predominant um, perspectives in terms of dealing with um, Kane and Taves in terms of re-upping them or parting ways with them. You know, it makes you wonder why Dubrinkit wouldn't be part of that conversation considering he's been the most consistent goal scorer we've had for the past four years. Drives yeah. me nuts that they he was not untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is perception too, is, um, you know, just because someone's not untouchable, you could basically say, well, yeah, that's fine. Offer us something. We'll probably say no, like <laughs> yeah, unless you're yeah. gonna give us McDavid or something. You know, there's some no-brainers, but chances are you're not gonna get that type of deal. So the likelihood of someone like a um, uh, Alex DeBrinket getting traded, it's probably um, ninety-nine point nine percent sure it's not gonna happen. Um, whereas most of the other players, um, they're gonna listen. Um, Reichel, I would be very hesitant. I would put them in that same category as as uh, Derbrinket. Like it has to be like a no brainer trade uh, in order to say yes. Doc, I'm all ears. <laughs> um, <laughs> same, same. I uh, yeah. agree. Yeah, you're not trading him for junk, but you're also trading him for, you know, maybe uh, someone else um, who is a year or two in the NHL who has a lot of potential, but maybe both players just need to change the scenery and they'll thrive. Uh, under that but I actually you know either way like if Doc stays I think he has potential to be you know a contributing player um, I think he's just had a lot of work on if he stays uh, but I don't know I wouldn't be upset either if he was traded for the right package um, well Theo I got four names for you got <laughs> Dahan, Strom, Kubelik and Flurry. where do you think these guys are going to end up um Dahan and Flurry, uh, definitely two contenders. Um, you know, I think uh, a team that's going to need a goalie, like uh, they may have like a, an okay goalie, but it may not be enough to get them over the hump once they're in the playoffs. Washington, need Washington, but um, I, I saw that's the rumor, right? That's yeah, that's the, the rumor that yeah. that the Caps are interested in him, but Flurry may not. Wait, he he may not approve a trade to go to DC, uh, which it's his right, obviously. Yeah. Um, Bad and blood. then Dehan, um, I you know I think the Hawks aren't going to get a whole lot for him, maybe like a fourth rounder or something. But you know I think that's fine. Trade him for a fourth rounder, even a fifth rounder to a contender, um, and um, and then be done with it. Same thing with Gus. Gustafson might be a harder sell, um, but then again he was also with the Habs last year and they went to the finals. Uh, not that they, they saw him as the you know the missing piece to win the championship. <laughs> um, but, yeah. What about Kubalik? Um, I've been hearing Kubelik. Rangers and Edmonton. Yeah, uh, I've heard uh, a lot about Edmonton. Um, yeah, I think he could be traded too. I think he's one of those players where um, he's had a down season, but there's enough intrigue with him as being um, a second or third line goal scorer where teams need that especially in, in the playoffs um and you know he's no slouch on defense he's not going to win a selkie or anything like that but he's not gonna he's not lazy either uh and so i think he has a lot of value at the trade deadline um and then um uh strome um definitely amping up his stock um even before his hat trick last night you know he's yeah. playing much better his face-off percentage yeah. is astronomically better 
Um, he's competing more, uh, more consistently uh, with and without the puck. Um, his offense is heating up. So, you know, if the Hawks decide to trade him, tra- trade him, his his stock is getting higher. So, you know, m- now might be the best time because his, his um, you know, his value might not be any higher. So struck the iron while it's hot. Um, whereas, you know, if the same, you know, a uh, couple months ago, I don't think the Hawks had any suitors for him. I uh, couldn't so give him away, man. Yeah, you couldn't give him away. Uh, and there was a rumor that, oh, what about... Um, you know, to Boston because they were looking um, to get rid of yeah, um, yeah. Jake DeBrus. They were looking to, to get rid of him, and so why not just do a one for one? You know, I'd be okay with that swap. Yeah. <laughs> They're both on expiring deals. I think DeBrus makes a little bit more, but it, again, it's only just for a couple more months. And if you know, you got rid of Strom, you give DeBrus a tryout. He doesn't work out. You just don't sign him or you trade him. Um, in the off season, but um, or trade his rights at least because he's a free agent. But um, yeah, but I think now with Strom, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks re-upped with him. Um, you know, I wouldn't give you know he's not going to get this a massive deal like DeBrinket did, but I think uh, maybe a two two year deal, uh, a, you know, a bump above what he's making today. Um, but yeah, he's not going to. Um, in, so to speak, break the bank if the Hawks do decide to, to re-sign him on a, a, a show-me deal. Uh, that's a little bit longer than what he got this year because it was only one year for, I think, $3 million. I um, think he had a two-year deal at $3.5 million, and I think it's too much for him, to be honest with you. It, well, yeah, we, we were desperate. We had Yeah, no we were, that's when Taves, he was yeah. sick. So they signed they signed Dylan Strom yeah. to a two-year deal. This yeah, is yeah, the second, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. second year second of year. that deal. And um, the idea of paying him more money just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, if he's getting better, you know, that's one thing. Can he sustain it and, and be consistent? You know, that's another thing. And I think that's something that he's missed his entire career is that consistency. Yeah. And I don't think that he can be. So I think that we should strike while the iron is hot and uh, maybe get two bags of pucks for him. One for him and one for his dog. <laughs> so Theo, man, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It's always a pleasure to to talk hockey with you. Um, thanks, thanks a million, dude. Let everybody know where your what your social media handles are. Yeah. Um, so uh, social media mainly just on Twitter. Um, so just uh, search Theo Fox Hockey, um, and you'll find me there. Or go to hockeybuzz.com and click on the Blackhawks articles and at the end of every article you can find a link uh, to my uh, Twitter handle and um, you can be great if you could follow me but uh, a lot of great hockey sites out there talking about the Blackhawks so uh, a lot of good stuff out there so um, happy to be part of that I'm not going to let you sell yourself short. I read Theo Fox and I think that he's great. Um, and my favorite. G- give him give him a follow. Uh, it's it's an order. <laughs> it's an order. <laughs> Anyways, that's all that we got for you tonight. This is the Tomahawk. We're out of here. <laughs>